Good morning, church. Well, today is December the 20... Excuse me, I'm completely off. The 19th, correct? Survey says? Yeah, okay, good, good. So, six days. Are you guys ready for Christmas? How many of you are ready? How many of you are going, oh, no? Well, hey, either way, it's so good to have you here this morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers. If you are a guest, maybe a family member visiting from out of town, maybe a friend, or maybe you just came in today for whatever reason, I want you to know two things. Number one, you're loved. And number two, you're not here by accident. We firmly believe that God orchestrates things in such a way that we will be at the right place at the right time. And I believe this morning you're here for a very specific reason. And it may just be, not even the teaching we're about to do, but it may have been a song we heard this morning or maybe communion this morning. Randy, thank you, dude. I mean, that was, that was just a blessing. Thank you, bud. You know, or maybe it's just the word of encouragement from someone, but for whatever reason, you're here today. And I just want you to maybe just, maybe take the risk that God wants to meet you this morning. Because I firmly believe he is in this place, that he is not far from you, but as scripture says, he has drawn near to all. And so today we are in a series coming close to the end of this Advent series called Songs of Christmas. You say Advent, what does that mean? That word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means a coming or arrival, specifically of an exalted or important person. Because the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day, we celebrate the anticipation of the birth of Christ And as Christians, we are looking forward to the day when Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? Amen. It's going to be incredible. You think Christmas morning is off the chain at your house. Imagine the moment when the angel sounds the trumpet. And I don't know what that's going to sound like, but can you imagine a sound that is so clear and piercing that all of creation hears it? And I don't know if it'll happen during what we would consider daytime, or maybe it's our nighttime, but we're told that the sky will literally rip open and God himself will come through. And the dead in Christ, those that you and I miss so deeply, will be raised to life. They will meet him in the clouds and they will join us and they will be a part of the parade of our king saying, I have won, victory is here, let's go home. It's going to be a good day, amen? And so we're excited about his arrival. And so every week of Christmas, every week of Advent, we celebrate a different piece, a different gift, a different part of what God gives us. And so week one, we looked at the fact that Jesus' arrival brings us hope. And we looked at this wonderful little song right here of O Holy Night. We sang it a moment ago, that great little phrase in there. And then week two, we looked at love, that Jesus brings us hope. Love, And then last week we looked at joy, how Christ brings joy. And it's a different color than the others because joy is functionally different than anything else. But today, today we're going to look at the fourth and final candle that we'll light in here. And it's the candle that symbolizes peace. Show of hands. How many of you this morning would say, I'd like to have a little more peace in my life? Any of you here feel like you're just, I'm all full up, don't need any more, everything's perfect? I mean, just, I won beauty pageant 2021, and I wished for world peace, and they gave me world peace. Any of you? No. I think all of us, if we're honest, would say there's always room for a little more peace. Now, with that said, we're going to go back into the moment that changed every moment. 
And in fact, it's one that Keith just a moment ago read to us from Luke chapter 2. When God shows up in such a beautiful way to the people who need to hear it, and if, here's what I want you to see. If God will show up to the people we see in this text, then, friend, God will show up to you today as well. These are the words from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I love this passage. Consider this. There are, there are shepherds meaning people who guard sheep. And because of their occupation, they were always considered ceremonially unclean. They could not go to temple. They could not be in polite society. In fact, they were considered scoundrels and liars. And so, because of their reputation, their testimony was not even permitted in a court of law. So, if you have a problem, someone steals from you, and the only witness is a shepherd, you're out of luck. Because shepherds were considered nobodies. And they're out in the fields at night, away from everyone else, and yet nearby, just close to the point where Jesus, where God enters human history in physical form, something's about to happen. And notice this little word here, it says, it happens at night. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that at the darkest moment of your life may be the moment where God shows up? Friend, if you don't hear anything else this morning... I don't know how dark things may be for you or how bright, but no matter how bad things may be, understand this text tells us that God does His best work when it is the darkest. That should give us some hope today. And so while they're out in the fields, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. We're going to come back to this word glory in a moment. And they were terrified. I would have been terrified. I'm minding my own business, and a man who glows shows up. That's a little weird. And notice what it says next. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. By the way, that is the most common command in all of Scripture. 365 times the Bible will command us, don't be afraid. Why? Because we, by default, are people of fear. And yet, look what happens. Why do you not be afraid? Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy For all the people, not just some of the people, but all the people, not just the pretty people, the rich people, the smart people, but all the people. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in the manger. Stay here for a second. I wish we had time. We don't, but I wish I had time to show you the three titles for Jesus here. If we had time, I'd explain that He is a Savior. And the only reason that's good news is if you know that you need to be saved. And friends, if you don't know you need to be saved, then there's something fundamental that has to happen. And God may have to allow things to happen to you before you raise your arms and say, help me. Because Jesus is the Savior, the one who rescues us. He is the Messiah. This word Messiah means chosen one. God has chosen the one who will save you, and you are not your own Savior. Jesus is. This should give a lot of us some peace. Let you off the hook. You don't have to save yourself because you can't. And this third word here, he is the Lord. Do you know what the word Lord literally means? Boss. Jesus is your Savior. You need saving. But here's the reality. It's like the kid who keeps running off into the street. They are rescued, but they then need someone to navigate their lives, to curb their actions so they don't keep going back into the dangerous places. You need someone who will tell you how to live life Right, he is Savior, Messiah, Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, 
A great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. On earth peace. On earth peace. Do you ever come across passages in the Bible that you think someone was simply writing for a Hallmark card and not for reality? On earth what? Peace. Yeah, see, if I were to do this, this would have been not peace, it would have been chaos. On earth, Rome is in control. On earth, I'm just a shepherd, I'm a nobody. On earth, my wife just left me. On earth, our finances, I don't know where next month's rent's coming from. On earth, my kids are going places and doing things that break my heart. On earth, peace, not a chance. But the promise of God. On earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. This is the passage we're going to look at this morning, the promise of peace. And the song, you heard it a moment ago. Here's the song of Christmas for today. It is this, I heard the bells on Christmas day. Quick show of hands. How many of you know the song, I heard the bells? How many of you say, I have no idea what this song is? Yeah, this is one of those weird, obscure ones that we don't often sing, but it is a powerful song. Let me tell you the story behind the song. It was written and based on a poem written by Henry Longfellow. Longfellow was still grieving over his wife's death. He wrote this in 1863, but he was still grieving the death of his wife from a couple years earlier. She had died tragically in a house fire. It was an accident, but she died. It was such a bad fire that Longfellow's face was permanently scarred from the flames. And how many of us know, just because something happened a year or two or three or ten or twenty ago, we often still carry the scars of what happens. And so he is in deep despair and depression on this Christmas day. And then he gets word that his son was gravely injured while serving and fighting in the Civil War. And it's one of those moments where depression just sort of overtook him. In fact, some say he was so depressed that he was so on the brink that he was considering ending life. And so he did what a lot of us do, that when you're sad, you go back to the things you're familiar with. So he begins to write a poem, because that's what he does. And on Christmas Day, 1863, he begins to write these words. And in despair, I bowed my head. Notice this phrase. There is no peace on earth, I said. Why? Well, for hate is strong. Why there hate? Because civil war is happening. The nation is divided. For hate is strong. For life is broken, for things don't work, for hate is strong. And then notice this, and it mocks the song. What song? Well, the song the angels sang of, put this up, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, isn't it interesting, and you don't have to have just lost a spouse or a child be injured to agree with the statement and the sentiment of the song, but isn't it true that for a lot of us, there is a gap between the promise of peace and the pain of life? Isn't it true that we hear God say, I want to give you peace. I want to give you joy. I want to give you love. I want to give you hope. And we say, that's great, God. But the reality is there is no peace. How many of us have found that there's this gap? And between the promises of God and the pain and problems of life, there is this gap of something happening that keeps us from the reality 
And, and in fact, you don't have to have lost a spouse or an injured child to agree with this. Let me illustrate this for you, how quickly peace can be lost. I've got an illustration. Uh, John, would you come up here, please? My buddy John is going to help me out. Would you give him a hand, please? Because he's going to need one. <clears throat> come on up here, bud. Yeah, let's just stand right here. This is good. Um, John's a pretty fit dude, pretty capable. So here's all I want you to do. This is real simple. Not, this is not hard at all. Um, I, I have some balloons. Each one represents a different part of life. This one is your spiritual life. All I want you to do, John, is sort of keep them in the air. Keep them all in the air. Your only job is to keep all the balloons in the air. It's not hard. So that's easy, spiritual life, not dropping. But then, you know, you've got to have school. If you're in school or maybe work, you've got to keep the bills. So there you go. Now you've got another one. Okay, no problem. You've got two. You've got abilities. Well, then uh, we'll save that one for another minute here. Oh, here's one. What about family? After all, you have family you got to deal with. So now, go ahead, keep that one up in the air, John. We've got some family. Keep going. Dude, there's only three. Keep going. Keep going. Don't. Is our insurance up to date? Okay, good. And then, and then not only that, let's just put a little bit of guilt up there because you're dropping balloons left and right. Oh, what about this one? Social media. After all, people need to know what you're doing. You need to know what they're doing. Let's add in there some struggles, spiritual, emotional, physical. You know what? This is too easy. Let's do some more, shall we? <sighs> All right, John. Let's see, bud. Here we go. You got social media and guilt. Okay. That's about right. Here we go. Oh, what about this one? Oh, I forgot this one. How about a pandemic? That going to cause any stress? Oh, how about some rest? Everyone needs some rest to stay fit. And oh, a diet? You want to eat organic? How about fear that you're not going to keep the weight off? No? Okay. Oh, what about, oh, friends. You need some friends. Everyone needs friends. And let's balance a few more things on this one. Oh, now uh, some doubt that we're going to keep it going. Oh, and let's see. What's this one? Let's just, oh, an exercise. So you're left with exercise. Everyone give John a hand. Thanks, bud. Just put him right there. That's fine. All right. Now, do I need to explain the illustration to anyone? Isn't it true? It doesn't matter what's going on. We have a hard time keeping the parts of our life in the air. It seems just as I'm figuring one thing out, something else comes along and things start to fall. It's almost like this world conspires against peace. It's almost like the perfect world God created where everything is good and in shalom. That's what the word peace in Hebrew means, where things work together. It's almost as though something went fundamentally wrong and everything's kind of just off. And if you know Scripture, you know the answer to the problem that we all are experiencing is not something out there, but fundamentally we broke things. Scripture says God made it all beautiful and perfect and we had shalom, peace. Things worked together with God and us and each other and nature and ourselves. And then we said, thank you, God. Now we will be God. And everything broke. And now no matter how we try, things just start to fall, don't they? And there's now this gap between what we experience and the promises of God. Friend, I want you to understand God promises you this, but the gap seems bigger, especially when you realize God's promise of peace is even bigger than this simple phrase. Let me give you a few examples. God promises peace from fear, John 4.18. God promises peace from worry, Matthew 6. God promises peace from anxiety, this is Philippians 6. God promises peace from sin. By the way, your fundamental and my fundamental need is to be at peace with God from the sin we've committed. 
If you're not a Christian, friend, I just want to tell you that trying to juggle everything else won't fix the fundamental problem. But he says he wants to give you peace from your sin. He wants to give you peace from trying to save yourself. Of If you are a Christian saying, you know what, I'll just, I can do this on my own. How many of us have tried that and we are just exhausted? Or peace from the efforts to satisfy yourself in this world. That's what Jeremiah 2.13 says, where he says, stop drinking. Stop trying to quench the thirst of your life. Stop trying to drink from broken cisterns, from a cup with a big hole in it. You go... It just, it won't hold what I want. Because there is nothing in this life, doesn't matter how much you earn, how much you get, how many vacations, how many things you have, it will not satisfy or create peace. And so what do we do with this gap between the promise of peace and the pain of life? Now, there's two ways that many people have tried to address this. And these are the two Eastern and Western ways of dealing with the problem. One is to try harder, and the other one is to ignore the truth. To try harder is a Western way of dealing with the problem of peace. Because for us Westerners, we will simply pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. If it's not working now, it means we aren't trying hard enough. And so what do we do? We work longer hours. We attempt to figure out time management We work through different meditative techniques or breathing exercises. And all we end up with, overworked, overstressed, hyperventilating. That's life. And so what happens is our friend Longfellow realizes that trying harder won't fix his wife's death or his son's hurt. So what can fix it? Well, this doesn't. So then we say, okay, if not trying harder, then the Eastern way of dealing with the problem of pain and the problem of peace is simply ignore the truth. The Eastern mindset, and many of you are becoming more and more aware of this through social media and other influences, but the, what, the Eastern mindset in part says that pain is an illusion. If you are experiencing it, you simply need to claim and acknowledge that it's not real. Pain is just a state of mind, not a state of being, right? And, and I, I heard a great illustration of this the other day. A friend of mine came back recently from a trip to Egypt, going on a tour of the Holy Land area and went down to Egypt, and they were going into Cairo, the capital of Egypt. I was in Cairo a number of years ago, and as this friend was describing it, I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly right. The place is packed, vendors everywhere, people selling things. The noise is astounding. And so my friend going on this tour, the tour guide warned them, said, be prepared to be bombarded. And so the tour guide said, I'm going to give you one word piece of advice. If you will keep this, you'll make it through okay. Are you ready? He said, here's the word you need to know when someone comes up and tries to sell you something. Are you ready? The word is la'a. Everybody say la'a. Congratulations, you have just said no. That's the word la'a. It is the uh, Egyptian dialect of Arabic and it means no. And so my friend starts going through the marketplace, and as people started to pack around her, she started going, la-ah, 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 la-ah. And the noise was so loud, she began to do this, la-ah, la-ah. And after a while, it wasn't la-ah, it was just la, 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 la. How many of us think the solution to what we're facing is just to pretend like it's not there? La, 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 la. It's not as bad as I think it is. It, it could be a whole lot worse. Uh, you, know, you know, I just got to look on the bright side. Friend, in the dark, there is no bright side. 
And so many of us just think, I'm going to pretend my way away. The problems with finances, I'll just pretend like they're not there. I have yet to meet a collection agency that will agree with you pretending they're not there. Here's the problem with just ignoring the truth of difficulty in life, is reality will come back and smack you in the face, won't it? See, Longfellow didn't try harder because he can't fix what was wrong, and he can't ignore the truth. His wife is gone. The woman that he planned to spend the rest of his life with is no more. His boy may never recover. And some of us this morning have to get to the place where we realize that self-improvement or ignoring reality will never give us The promises of God. Here's the subtle secret. Are you ready? Only one person can give you the promises of God, and it is God. So so what is the the solution? Because I believe as followers of Jesus, God does not simply say, here's the problem. Good luck. But he he gives us the truth in this passage. Are you ready for it? See, it's not try harder or ignore the truth. It's number three. Here's the way through. It's to embrace a bigger truth. You don't ignore the truth, but you embrace a bigger truth. You say, Josh, what does that mean? Here's what I mean by it. In our passage, did you remember hearing the angels say, glory to God in the highest? Do you remember that phrase? What's that first word? Glory. That word is the word doxa. Everybody say doxa. Doxa, glory, One of its best ways to understand it is it simply means weight or weightiness. The glory of God is the weightiness of God, the bigness of God. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Have you ever been out at the lake and you take a large stone and throw it in the water? Where are my boys at here? Anyone do this? By the way, the best thing to do, you start off with like a little one. But what happens if there's a group of guys around a river for very long? They're digging these boulders out saying, watch this. Bloosh. What happens when the glory of that rock hits the water? The water is pushed out, isn't it? The angels are literally declaring that when the presence of God breaks into reality, His greatness, His bigness does not not mean that life is still, is, is perfect but rather his presence has disrupted everything else. His presence has clearly pushed things around. Let me give you another picture of what we see here. In fact, let me do it this way. I think the song actually gives us the hint on embracing the bigger truth. Longfellow, so on Christmas morning, he's writing this poem, and he is in deep despair. And in the midst of this moment where he's going, my wife's gone, my boy's Who knows what's going to happen? I can't fix it and I can't ignore it away. In that moment, he hears the ringing of church bells. Church bells, Christmas morning, declaring the birth of Jesus. And the next verse, he gets it. He gets the bigger truth. Are you ready? In the next verse, he says this. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. He's not unaware, my friends. He is not absent. He's not an old man. He's not, a, he's not just kind of going, oh, wait, what's going on? He sees you. 
In the dark of night, when the men there thought that they were left out and alone, when the world broken around them was greater than they could fix, the angels declared that the weight of God has broken in, the glory of God is present, and the truth is, God is not dead. He's not asleep. Let let me give you a picture. I've shared this before, but I finally found the painting I've referred to so many times. Let me show you a picture of peace. Are you ready? Peace, right? You're going to dig. That is not peace. In the background, you have lightning, you have wind, you have storm clouds, you have this flood coming down. There is nothing peaceful about it. By the way, if we were to be honest, isn't this how many of us view life right now? There's nothing peaceful about it. But, but listen, listen. The secret, this is true. We don't ignore it. We don't deny it. But you want to know the secret? You look and you see the, the bigger truth. Are you ready to see the bigger truth? Just go ahead. The bigger truth is right here. Show us a bigger one. It's very faint, but what this painting has is a little dove asleep in the cleft of the rock. What does the Scripture say about our God? That He is a strong tower and those who run to Him are saved. He is a rock, the rock of our salvation. Jesus says of His Father, He talks about those who are foolish. They build life on things that are not secure, but those who are wise say, I can't, but I will build my life on the only one who can. Jesus, God in a body, the promise of peace is not that you ignore reality, but you embrace the bigger reality that God is not dead. And if you will run to Him, yes, the waves, yes, the storm, yes, the clouds, yes, the wind. But He says, child, come to Me and I will protect you in this moment. See, peace does not mean God takes you out of the storm, but that God is around you in the storm. This is what Longfellow got. I heard the bells on Christmas Day that declare, God's not dead. God's not dead. And so, so maybe if you're a completionist, you want to fill in the last two blanks. Let me give you the last two blanks. So if we were to kind of give you the picture, embrace the bigger truth that God is not dead. He's not asleep. Where in your life right now, where in your life are you saying, I feel like I am alone in this situation. I don't know how I'll pay the bills. I don't know how I'll deal with this situation. I don't know how I'll deal with this relationship. Friend, you don't have to deal with it alone because God is not dead. He has come and he is in this place with you. Or let me put it a different way. Maybe we would say, the bigger truth is God holds the pieces of my life to give peace in my life. Keith, would you help me out here? Let's grab these balloons. Let's just talk about this for a moment here. The problem does not go away because Jesus is here. The issues do not disappear because Jesus is here. But what does happen? He begins to hold the pieces of your life in him. So that. Can you still see the problems? Oh yeah, they're there. Are they still a reality? Oh yeah. But the promise of peace. Glory to God in the highest. The glory of God has come. And he will hold everything you have. Yes, you'll see it. Yes, it doesn't disappear magically. You can still see through. But you don't have to carry it anymore. 
That's what that little baby in a manger means. That God has sent the only one who's capable of saving you and ordering your life so that no matter where you go, he's able to hold all the pieces together. This morning, some of us need to know the truth that you do not have to create peace. You can't try hard enough to fix what's wrong and you cannot ignore it. But the good news of the gospel is that God came, God lives. He died for you, friend, and he rose for you. And this morning, some of us just simply need to know that we are not alone in this world, that there is a God. But for others, let me just speak frankly, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, if you've not yet said yes to him, you don't have peace. But the good gift of Christmas, that you don't have to wait for Christmas morning to receive, is the gift that God says, I will take all the pieces of your life and I will hold them if you'll trust me with your life. That's a very simple thing to do. You admit that you're a sinner. You say, God, I am broken, and I have broken all sorts of promises to you and to others. I'm a sinner. And then you say, God, I can't, but you can. I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior. He is your Son and my Savior. And Scripture says that for anyone who believes in Jesus, putting him on in baptism in this beautiful promise is that God will fix what is broken, what is wrong, and the peace that passes, Paul says, all our understanding will guard your heart and your mind, key phrase, through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the promise of peace. Let's stand and let's say a prayer together this morning. Our Father who is in heaven, but who also came to earth, We thank you for Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Now enter us, we pray. Give us again the clarity to know that you make all things new, taking the pieces of life and give us peace in return. Hold us now. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.